WBEN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from the NCC, the classic, the fall edition that's taking place at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds in Kearney. Lots of things on this. It's been an interesting week. I'm going to interrupt myself because we saw back on Monday how the trade finished on Friday has made for a very interesting opportunity, good and bad, to do some marketing. We're going to take a look at the fluctuations that we saw within the trade this week. Not only that, the, the diesel and what we're seeing in the crude, what that is going to be in weighing in on agriculture. And then my big question is why is cattle struggling like they are? We're going to get all those details and a whole lot more today with PJ Conrad, PJ with, with Trados. And so let's kind of start out talking about the the struggle that we saw this week in the trade i think one of the more roller coaster type of weeks both grain and livestock we've seen in a while you know it really has been susan uh just the up and down wheat market obviously crazy as usual uh just on the back of everything that happened they had rushed to ukraine pulling out of the black sea agreement uh then they're back in and and just that whole hoopla over there it doesn't seem to be going anywhere i will say that the headline news is still contributing to the market, so markets still care about it. I think once you start hearing some of those headlines come out and the markets don't react like this is when they're going to start shedding risk premium. And I thought, uh, I can't remember what commentary it was I was reading this week, but they had a great point, I thought. Uh, it's hard to predict a weather market, but it's impossible to predict a war market. And that's kind of what we sit in, at least on the corn side of things. I mean, uh, seven bucks has been the sticking point and continues to be the sticking point uh, of the last, you know, almost five months now. And I just don't know what, you know, what is out there that could bring us the life higher. You know, it seems like we've thrown a lot of bullish things at this corn market and it doesn't want to break out and above. And on the flip side, it doesn't want to fall out of bed. I think there's enough unknowns, uh, whether that be can our demand pick back up, uh, how bad could the war get in Ukraine? Um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what's the USDA going to say next week? Uh, traditionally, they're not going to really throw us any curveballs in the November report. And I think you're seeing you know, some of these private estimates come in a touch higher than USDA, which could spell some problems, maybe to the downside, just to the tune of if you do raise yield a little bit, we are behind on exports to fulfill our, uh, to hit our numbers that USDA has plugged out for us. At what point does that start to uh, factor in the USDA slowly shave off that demand number? And I guess if there's something that keeps me up at night, it isn't about uh, selling 680 or 690 corn and it going to eight. It's uh, not selling enough at 680 or 90 and watching it go back to six and a quarter or six bucks. And I know there's the theory out there, the thought that, you know, if that does happen, uh, basis will have to do the work and the pride out of the farmer's hands. And there is some truth to that from a flat price standpoint, uh, what's it going to take? But there's also the flip side of that, that uh, the southeast, if, you know, Brazil's crop comes off decent, you know, could we start importing corn down there to offset some of it and, and actually make things a little bit harder for us? So basis doesn't have to do anything. A lot of that comes down to spreads and freight and everything else that there's a lot more into it than a, than a flat price commodity that uh, the farmer sees and uh, respects. And so I think that's one thing to keep your eye on, and especially right now. Nobody wants to crack that bin door back open, but when you're talking 50 to 70 to 80 over basis, and you know that's 750-plus type corn, it's a really great opportunity 
to courier bins, maybe even move a little more. I can make the argument that this year, more than others, you should uh, be trying to get more sold now earlier than uh, and then let the chips fall where they may come winter, springtime. But it feels like we're probably due, just from a historical standpoint, to have a decent crop out of South America after two straight years of La Nina and then La Nina starting to come out of the forecast as we move forward here. And the crude and the diesel, the, the struggle that's been there has been closely watched by agriculture. It has. And that's, I think, the underlying scary part about all this is, you know, crude's up another, what, four bucks today. Um, and, and diesel fuel, I think they said uh, from some stuff I was reading today, diesel fuel is what the availability for diesel sits at a decade low. And that's why you're seeing the soy market kind of take off because soy oil is you know tied to that, so it's going to run up with that. So I think you put all that together, and you're looking at a high diesel price, uh, high seed cost, high any input, and a corn commodity, a corn crop that's not moving. You're getting soybeans to move. You're almost 14 bucks on the November board, um, but that new crop corn contract hasn't really moved off six and a quarter for a month and a half. And you, but you're locking in or, or staring down from very high inputs that, and I think I've said it every time I've been on, Susan, that is honestly, I'll go to the grave. That's my fear is people aren't uh, aggressive enough and they have a lot of high inputs locked in. And that makes for a very sticky, frustrating summer where, you know, you can adjust and you can make plans uh, around, say, a 625 sale or some sort of put call spread to at least protect yourself in the event things were to fall apart because you don't want to have a lot of high inputs booked and a lower, lower corn price that makes things a heck of a lot harder to make money. Well, and it's just amazing the, the price difference that we're seeing from the Midwest to the South to the East Coast when it comes to these diesel prices. Well, it is. I think they said uh, what diesel prices, the U.S. average right now is uh, 540. Um, I don't know how historically high that is, but it's high enough, I can tell you that. Um, it's, it's just going to be this problem. I mean, it's one more thing that has, you call inflation, whatever. Um, there's one more thing that's that's more expensive than what it has been, and you have to deal with it as a farmer. And so there's not, you know, there's ways to kind of hedge your risk off on fuel, but it's not perfect. And so that's where your flip side of that is getting some corn sold or doing something proactive in that market. And that, that seems to be the cleanest uh, way to offset your risk at least even if you're a risk-averse person. Stick around, folks. There's a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids delivers proven performance year after year. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 74% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stories. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation this afternoon with PJ Conrad with Tradeoff. So we left off, you started to talk about exports and some struggles and some worrisomes that are there. How much is the Mississippi River and the lack of water weighing in on this as well as what we've seen with the dollar? Uh, a combination of both. I really like two, three weeks ago, the, the Mississippi River situation was dire. 
Um, you know, we call it some rains and it helped. It's, it's off its lows and <clears throat> there, the ability to move more grain on it is happening. Um, now as we move forward though, obviously they're going to need some sustained rains, but really it's the strength of the dollar and the fact we're just overpriced worldwide. And, and so people are going to find other options in the world to, to source their corn than us. I think the hard part, the, the, the bad part about how that Mississippi River deal fell was it fell during harvest, a time when we should be moving a lot of product out uh, when our product should be the cheapest. And you can't you can't just make that time back up. You know, it's just like you can't you miss a week of work. You can't make that week work a week up. So it's just you're going to be behind. And so that's a factor. And then also the dollar being stronger, it's all just adding up that it's kind of a frightening situation, depending on what happens down in South America. If they do have the crop that they are projected to have, they'll have a, a plentiful amount of harvest. Uh, now, they have their own political issues and whatnot that we will see how that all unfolds. But at the end of the day, uh, grain tends to find a home for where it needs to go because it's dollars and cents. So I think that's one thing you got to remember. You can same thing with Russia uh, and Ukraine situation. The grain will leave the country. It might be inefficient and it might not make sense, but it will make money for them. And it seems to find a way to feed the world, so to speak. Well, before we jump over to the livestock side, we saw the struggle that happened in this corn market. The beans kind of took the struggle and rallied at the end of the week. Uh, what are we going to see as we set up for, for next week's trade? You know, next week's interesting. We got a USDA baseline report Monday. They always put this out. You know, they look out, I want to say, three to five years of what they think the U.S. is going to produce and what they think carryouts could be. I don't know. It seems like a lot of uh, hoopla that they pay some people to sit around and talk about, but uh, that's a conversation for another day. But I, you know, that's Monday, and, and then Wednesday we have a USDA report coming out, and that will be – you know, revision and looking at this 22 crop. Uh, I think estimates, I haven't seen the estimates yet, but I do know some private companies have up yield actually a touch um, in certain areas. You know, Minnesota being one of them, Iowa, Illinois, good, good, good crops, uh, all pretty much across the board there. So my fear, I guess the thing in my mind sitting here today, which means it's probably not going to happen if I'm thinking about it, would be they raise yield and lower exports and up carryout. <clears throat> that'd be obviously a bearish situation. Um, but trade can have that factored in. I think the interesting thing with these USDA reports is it can read bearish and it can, and the market reacts bullish and vice versa. And, and you look at what the USDA has done, say the last two to three years on that quarterly stocks report, especially the one at uh, the end of the year, uh, they tend to tweak everything then. So it almost takes the fun out of these reports, these monthly ones, because you think, well, do they even know? Or are they just shooting in the dark, hoping for the best, and they'll revise everything at the end? And that's the way it kind of seems. But it will still be a, a talking point and still be something that can cause erraticness in the markets. And it's not for forget we have Election Day on Tuesday. And so who knows? I mean, between now and then, uh, what could or happen out there? I mean, you just never know. It seems seems like anymore, Susan, our, our political landscape, whether it be U.S. or worldwide, is very uh, unstable. And so <clears throat> that's always sitting here in the back of people's minds of what all that looks like. So why is the cattle struggling like they are? You know, that's a great question. It just hasn't seemed like, I mean, we had a decent little pop here. Oh, uh, what, 
five, 10 days ago up to 154 in the these fats. Uh, relinquished that pretty quick and kind of fell below some longer term support. Now, the kind of some saving grace is yesterday we did bounce off the 20 day moving average, uh, went down, tested it and bounced off that. And then a soft day Friday down 25 cents, uh, but did kind of run up and touch the 10 day. So when you're looking at those charts and you're talking 20 and 10 days, those are usually signals of like short term traders, uh, uh, kind of in and out type people, and they've obviously deemed the uh, the kind of like one no call it one fifty one type level to be a <clears throat> a support level as we move forward, and you're looking more on the uh, what one fifty two and a half uh, level as being resistance here on the way up. So it would appear that from the chart standpoint, maybe there's more downside to be had, kind of down to the one forty nine uh, one fifty type level. But I'm still longer term. I think there's going to be better days for cattle, and you can't. Uh, these prices have to appreciate. I shouldn't say they have to. Seasonally, they do trend lower as we go into the end of the year. Is the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Um, you can call us at 402-858-7529, or you can reach out to us on any social media platform at Tradeoffs LLC. All right, that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Always reminding folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.